Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode number two of There Is No Spoon podcast. My name is Stephen, and I'm a transformative life coach. Join me for a bite-sized, deep-dive exploration into how our minds work and a no-techniques approach to reconnect with our innate well-being and our true nature. In this episode, I'd like to share with you a bit of my personal backstory, my journey, and how I came to whatever level of understanding I currently possess, even though I've got a lot more to go for sure, so that you can get a sense of where I've been, see if you can relate, and perhaps might want to hitchhike along with me for a while to see where we end up. Now, like many of you, I started my searching, my journeying, in order to feel better. When it comes to having lived with some stress and, and being wrought with anxiety and worry and a general sense of dis-ease, I've been there and I've done that. Case in point, when I was just six years old, the child psychologist came into the waiting room and told my mother, Mrs. Ladd, I don't think that you have too much to worry about. Even though your son does score in the top two percentile on both the empathy and sensitivity scales, there's a decent chance that he'll just grow out of it. Yep, I kid you not, the esteemed medical professional actually implied to my mom that in just seven short years I'd be a teenager and there'd be nothing more to worry about. Now you may be wondering why my mom felt compelled to have me evaluated by a toddler head shrinker in the first place. And I can give you one prime example. It's what became known as the rainy day ritual. I grew up in a very traditional suburban neighborhood and we had a long blacktop driveway. Anytime that our family had to drive somewhere in our station wagon and it had rained that day, I would panic due to my recent discovery that earthworms would slither themselves up out of the garden and out of the yard onto the blacktop driveway and subsequently be squished to death by the tires of our car. So I took it upon myself to be in charge of the Wiggly evacuation. Now, I was quite young and my sense of time was less than accurate, so I often ran out of it. So I had to enlist the help of my younger brother, who was three years my junior, mind you, so he was still in diapers to come out there and assist me. And when time was really short, God love him, even my parents would get in on the project. I can only imagine what the neighbors must have thought, especially on rainy Sundays when we were all dressed up for church out there relocating worms. Now, once I had declared the driveway to be a safe zone, we'd pile up into the station wagon, and my brother and I would be in the very back. And as we'd back out of the driveway and onto the street, I'd look out the back window, and then it would hit me that every street in our neighborhood and in the city and in the whole wide world, they were nothing but death traps for innocent worms. And you know the saying, so many wigglies, so little time. Of course, sure, it's somewhat funny to talk about it now, but I can assure you that at that time, I found this situation to be truly horrifying. It's what I saw as the senseless slaughter of innocent creatures. It literally kept me up at night when I could hear the rain outside. So you could say that, yeah, I was a bit of an anxious kid. Now, at that age, I didn't know that much about the world. Of course, I wasn't watching the news or reading the newspaper. So I didn't know about the big issues like war and famine and fascism. So I focused primarily on the non-human animals. But as I got older and into junior high school, I found plenty of additional topics to worry about. Girls and grades and sports and girls. Looking back, to be honest, I was quite miserable most of the time. And I likely would have been diagnosed with some sort of anxiety disorder and at least moderate depression if that had been a, a bigger thing back in the 70s. But somehow I did have an awareness that my morose sensibilities were out of proportion to my circumstances. I had a really great 
home life by all objective standards. I was loved. It did seem as though I suffered far more than my friends. My peer group all seemed relatively happy. It was actually a bit bewildering to me how they could be so. And therefore, I came to what seemed like a logical conclusion, that there was something wrong and that it must be something wrong with me. And it also seemed like all those happy people had something that I was missing. So I had to first figure out what that thing was, and then I had to go out and acquire said unknown thing for myself. And finally, it occurred to me that maybe it was just that good people got to feel good and that not-so-good people would feel otherwise. So I had to figure out a way to be gooder. And that's when I began what you might call my little hero's journey to find out what it was that I was missing and figure out a way to be a better person so that I could feel better. And I'll tell you, I, I was relentless in my quest. I would study. Now, I should make it clear, I, would, I wouldn't study any of the materials from the classrooms for my junior high or high schools, and that was reflected in my overall grade point average. However, I studied everything that I could find in the areas of personal development and self-improvement and Back then, it was Norman Vincent Peale, and I was doing affirmations, and I'd move on to things like Tony Robbins and his work. And as I got older, I studied all sorts of techniques like NLP and EFT and CBT and all sorts of other three-letter acronym techniques and dozens of forms of meditation, many of which I still do today, and yoga and breathing, and you name it. And then I went on to college. And undergraduate, I majored in psychology, philosophy, and religion in order to still pursue this quest. And I was able to convince my parents those were great majors for law school, so they'd help me fund the project. They were suckers and bought it. And then I went on in my graduate programs, however, on my own dime. I am still paying off loans for my comparative religion program. <laughs> now, I will admit that I did find that most of these practices, techniques, and modalities were helpful to some degree, so much so that I even taught them to many people over the years. However, even when they did work, they were a hell of a lot of work, and it seemed like none of them worked all the time, especially when I might have needed them the most. So I knew that something was still missing, or at least I thought there must be. And so with our time together, if you choose to hang out with me anymore, we won't be exploring or utilizing any of these usual suspects or perspectives regarding how to feel better. There won't be any new techniques or methodologies. Now, if you've got one or more of these types of tools that serve you well, then I'd say by all means, continue to utilize them to the utmost. I, I don't feel there's anything wrong with tools. I've just personally found them to be limiting and by no means 100% reliable. Now, this also won't be a new version of a 10-step program. I know everyone seems to like stepped programs, and I totally get it because you know where you are. If it's a 10-step program and you're on step five, you know you're halfway done. And then when you're on step nine, you're almost done. And then when you get step 10 done, it's like, hooray, I'm done. However, what I've come to see personally is that there are certain processes that simply can't be multi-stepped. I guess what we'll be moving toward could be considered a one-step plan, and that step might even be off a cliff. But I'm getting ahead of myself, and I don't want you to worry. Everything's already more than fine. So if you're wondering, hey, there's not going to be any techniques, methodologies, or steps, like what the hell is it that we're going to be sharing together? Where are we going? And that's a legitimate question. And the answer that I can give for you at this point would be, we'll be heading toward what could be called insightful understanding. And it's the difference between a prescriptive approach, which would be 
telling you what to do, a technique or a methodology, as compared to an explanatory approach, which is more interested in how things actually work. Or the difference between an application and an implication. Application being a technique or methodology that you apply as compared to an understanding which has within it multiple implications that are far more broad in their scope. Now this may all sound painfully obtuse, and so I promise that in the next episode I will bring it a bit more down to earth. With teddy bears, in fact. We'll be exploring where feelings actually come from. And the title of that episode will be Adult Teddy Bears. Hopefully that piques your interest just a bit. Until next time, keep in mind, there is no spoon. It's not spoons that bend, it's you. Be swell and stay bendy, my friends. 